Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This thing right here yeah, yeah, is for my people's in the streets. <laughs> yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. All right, welcome to RSG One Mike. Uh, this is D. Wills. Uh, we're in the building. We're ready to roll. We got a full day because you know what, Houston, we've got a problem. Uh, there is a lot going on in the state of baseball, and that's our main topic for the cipher for the show tonight, which will be coming up uh, in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, for you listeners who are, want to get right into that topic, uh, you know we always start out with uh, with an open mic session when we touch on a number of things before we get into the heart of the show. Uh, So we always want to let you know that for you folks who are trying to listen uh, as part of our podcast and want to get to the heart of it, you can always uh, go right to that um, that point where we're talking about. Uh, You can reach us and get everything RSG um, on realsportsguys.com. And my man, uh, Sekou, has released his 2019 uh, Hip Hop in Review, and it's another good one. Um, And he and the Game Changer, um, have a podcast that will, that goes along with that, that you can find by going to realsportsguys.com. It'll pop up. You'll see all our podcasts. You can click on, listen to it, uh, or you can go to the blog, uh, where you can see the breakdown of, uh, the artists and the albums, uh, that say cool put together. You can also, uh, we have it pinned at the top of our, uh, real sports guys, Facebook page. So you can check us out there, like us and be there as well. We just want you to be part of the journey with us. Uh, as we move forward, uh, before I get in and, and we get into all the uh, all the important topics we're going to talk about today, I want to bring my co-host uh, into the into the into the airways uh, so y'all can uh, know who's talking to you. Uh, I'm going to start with the youngin. You know he's he's been knocking down those threes. His game has been improving. You know he started out you know <laughs> in picks. You know now we let him run the offense. You know he's finding his shots. Uh, he's become more of a two-way player. I feel like he. He on that Kawhi trajectory here in radio. So we got to bring the man in. Darnell, how you doing today? I'm doing great. And speaking of Kawhi, I'm, are you watching this game right now? I have it on the other screen on a, on a laptop, and Kawhi is on fire. <laughs> but um, speaking of that, but, um, yeah, I'm in a good mood. Last night, Cassius Winston became um, the Big Ten's all-time leading assist leader. I was at the Lincoln game last night as well. Imani dropped 40. And, oh, yeah. Uh, breaking the stats of the um, um, Dexter Dreadnoughts. So, like Ice Cube said, it was a good day. Yeah, you know, and he passed uh, another Michigan State great over there. Uh, Mateen Cleaves. Um, and so, you know, Mateen Cleaves. Uh, and I noticed it was fourth on that list was Gary Grant, the general, uh, was on there. So, the, the last well, uh, three people have been out of the state of Michigan on one of those teams, and so so a lot of what's going on in these programs. Uh, but that, you know, that was a great moment, and it, you know, haven't had a chance to spend time with them out at Maui um, and being around Cassius. You know, it's it's something that you just 
feel for him. He needs moments like that. Um, and the way he's been kind of navigating, you know, just the heartbreak, you can tell that's all uh, the weight that he's carrying. And Izzo, the weight that Izzo carries in that program. And uh, and also the way those guys stepped up. That was not the team I saw in Maui. They got some young guys stepping up. You know, so the, the Izzo formula is beginning to, to kick in here uh, uh, in March after taking that beat down. They, I think they took over at Purdue. So he, but he started he put, he started to pull it together a little bit. But, yeah, great moments. But, no, I, I haven't watched uh, – I wasn't watching quite. See, that's what youngest can do. Youngest can multitask. See, Hank and I, we're just trying to focus on the task at hand. Y'all young folks, <laughs> y'all, y'all got the, y'all, y'all Twitter, y'all got your homework out, got your music on. And somehow y'all able to make it work. I, I can't do it like that. All right, now we're gonna bring him old school. This is what we talk about. You can't win in this game if you ain't got a double double. You ain't got somebody that you know before the game starts. You just put the numbers up, and that's what we can do when we got my man Hank. What's up, Hank? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's so good to be able to sit here and to converse with you fellas for a little bit. Let me tell y'all out here: if you're in the if you're in the Midwest, uh, traveling around today, the weather outside is frightful. And I don't mean that to start no song. I'm just letting y'all know right now, okay? And if you're out there and you see all that white stuff on the ground and you think, oh, this is a great time to get in shape, let me just let you know right now, okay? If you ain't been to the doctor and got your blood pressure checked, if you ain't got your your heart checked and all this kind of stuff, or, 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 or all this kind of all that all that healthy stuff, if you ain't got that all taken care of by your physician, let me just let you know right now, this ain't that uh, resolution snow, okay? This ain't that kind of snow that you're going to get yourself in shape for. This is that next to kin snow, because if you ain't in shape, they will be notified they're next to kin. So I'm just letting y'all know out there, be careful, be safe. But if you can't do it, don't try today. It ain't, it ain't the time. <laughs> and, and this is how bad it is. You know, we're the real sports guys. We, we don't got serious. We ain't got ESPN behind us. So you might hear some wind in the background on our windows outside our room. So that's just kind of hot. The hawk is out there. As my, as my boy, Dr. P.J. Bowman's father, Phil uh, <laughs> Bowman's practice, the hawk will put a cap on your head. He ain't lying today. Yes, he will. Cap- yes, he will. He will put out the hog will put a cap on you. Know what I'm talking about. We say I said the hawk put a cap in Michigan's head yesterday. And, um, uh, so, now, so now we throw we yeah. throwing we throwing shots. <laughs> not too many people. Hey, so now see now you wanna start losing. trolling. Now see let me tell you something, youngster, okay? Now 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 <laughs> you know, I I let you have the Cassius Winston thing. All right. And and good for him. That's a team that's expected. Like I said, expected to go a long way. All right, nobody expecting nothing from the Wolverines but a nice, neat showing, if you will, in in the tournament if they get there. This is not John's team. This is not his team. And John Teske, since you brought it up, is a liability. He was a liability last year. He will be a liability this year. When he graduates, he will still be a liability on defense. Let's not get that twisted. Okay, they've given up 90 to Iowa twice. They are not a defensive team, and, and we just need to be able to enjoy the ride there. But you had to bring up the Hawks, didn't you? You had to do it. You know what? And, and, and now i got to go back in the coast world mode, and I think it's time for you to take a lap. No, no, no. Youngin, no one's winning on the, on, the, on the road in the Big Ten. Home teams are 30 Nobody. and 6. Purdue, Purdue just beat Purdue just beat Michigan State at home. They were when I was looking at, they were getting trounced by Maryland. By like thirty. 
on the road in the Big Ten. So look, the fact that Michigan was winning that down the stretch is, is, is incredible. And I was just in Hawkeye Arena watching uh, uh, Indiana play. My niece over there playing. Who they had a lead. They, their women's team had a 29 game winning as one, uh, and only second to Baylor. Uh, and the, the the Hoosiers had them by 14. Let them come back in, lost the double overtime. That's a tough place to win. They shoot better. They play better. They do things there. Some teams are just good in their home arena. In uh, Iowa, I was that place. I was one of those places, whether it's football or basketball, where people come and get those L's. So yeah. for them, the, what was good about it was uh, that a couple of their players found their shots in that game. Um, mm-hmm. And they most important. And he's getting a lot of depth. He's doing what he's doing with Izzo. He's got some injuries, and he's getting these young guys to get minutes, guys who normally wouldn't get minutes to get minutes. And I think that's going to make the difference down the stretch. But nobody went on the road in the Big Ten. So now you're right. we, can, we can put that as a topic uh, right now, uh, uh, if we, I mean, in, in the near future as we, as we move towards a, uh, that championship season. But I love – see, Youngin always finds a way to get us riled up. He, that's why I say he's moving, he moving into finding his own. Before he wouldn't have done that, but now he finds a little own. So we he up there. Now we know about that, but you notice he got he got Matumbo though. He got he got somebody gave him a tumble finger as he. I'm telling make... you, he better start respecting his elders now. I ain't that old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, somebody was making it rain in New Orleans uh, this past week. Uh, Odell Beckham, as I said, strikes again. Look, before we get into the championship game, which was a great game, I enjoy watching it. What is Odell doing? I'm going to start with you, youngest, because these cats are near your age. He out here literally, literally, I'm going to say literally, not literally. He literally put money in people's hands in front of the camera. What did you, when you heard this, what was going through your mind, Darnell? I saw it. I saw it live, but... uh... What I was thinking, and I thought it was pretty obvious, Odell was just drunk. Uh, I think pa- Pablo Torre put it the uh, the perfect way. Odell Beckham in the championship game was like um, the drunk guy at the wedding that was cool at first, and then um, all of a sudden he picked up the microphone, and you was like, what are you saying? That was Odell. <laughs> Everybody was happy to see Odell on the sidelines. Like, yeah, he was on that 2011 team that went to the national championship and lost, but then it all went off the rails. That's, that's what happened. I think Hey, I'm going to give you the whole moment. Like the wish is going through my mind. I'm like, he <laughs> hey, did he, did, did he, did he put, did he illustrate that perfectly? Man, that, that, that's cutting dead. That's cutting dead. Everybody hugging. Everybody, <laughs> get the mic. you like, who invited cousin Jed? <laughs> who was you? Oh. Everybody, yo, I told you not to send him that. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. What do you say? He was cool at first. Everybody was glad to see him. You know, and then as the night went on, he just started acting a fool. <laughs> oh, I mean, my God. That's right. On the butt. It, I just said Odell was just out cold. He said, forget it. He said, I'm you know free. What? Be free. Listen, I think that, though, um, 
we were toe down. We, we we know that, you know, to the point where the rest of that story is he slapped a cop on the butt, and they, and they pressed charges. They were going to press charges on him, but the cop chose later not to pursue it. I just saw that come across. Uh, so they're going to drop the charges on him. But they arrested him for that. But he was towed down, and they were going to find him and some everything else. But don't you think, now I want you to just think a little bit outside the box here. Don't you think that that was a little bit premeditated, the whole giving the money thing? You know, yeah. there's been this talk about these college players need to get paid. And so, you know, he he had the cash right there. So some of that tells me that that, that was premeditated on his part, that, that if they win, he's just going to start giving out dollars and doing something like that. Uh, and then he could always hide behind the guys that that he was drunk. But I, I, just, I, I think that Odell Beckham knew better, but I just think that he was trying to prove a point. I mean that's the way, that's 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 the one thing I thought about. I said he just ain't crazy enough just to get him. There's there's something to that. What you think? Yeah, it, it, it was. It, it, you know, and Joe, and he might have told him if you got an interception, you won. He might even said something to him about like, get your money. But they didn't think he was gonna get the money on the on the field. And, yeah. and the that's the funniest. Joe Burrow was like, I ain't no college athlete anymore. Yeah, I took right. your money. <laughs> like what you gonna do about it? That that it was at zero. I didn't take them before mm-hmm. the game. It was after the game. I am technically mm-hmm. done. I mean, right, everybody right. clown suit on. I said, man, chest out. I mean, they were they were bold in a lot of ways. The cigars, you know. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow had on a hat. I don't know if the ball cap. If y'all hear about the ball cap he had on, they had on had the big D Joe on it. I mean, so he. <laughs> They were they was going out. They was going ham. They 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 went all out. Oh, oh man! And and it's like they like so. This is what's gonna happen when you let a, you you let a man like Orzeron win. Right, <laughs> right. They clown. I mean, <laughs> they clown. It went nuts. He, 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 they felt, they look like Miami. I said, boy, they that's the hurricane. I said, they Woo. were they they went they went straight Mardi Gras. Right there in New Orleans. So, yeah, hey, we in New Orleans. We gonna go New Orleans. We gonna go New Orleans, Ham, and we just saw it live. That's what that was. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I was saying, man. As the old ball coach said, "What the hell is going on out there?" That's what went through my head. I was like, "What the hell is going on out there?" But, but, but hey, but think about think about this. But let, let, let's look at the whole storyline. Let's look at this complete storyline. So here's Ed Orgeron, okay. And you know they had they had deemed him a failure because he didn't do well at Mississippi. Then he goes out to USC, you know, and he does a decent job out there, but nobody taking him serious. And they pretty much Brady hoped him when he came back to LSU. They really did. You know, they was like, you know, this I guess this is the best we can do, so we're gonna be all right with it. And then they go and they have this season. You know, probably one of the greatest single seasons of any college football team. They win 15 games. You, you got a, 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 a transgenerational uh, quarterback. He's at home. He's from Louisiana. They're playing the championship game in Louisiana, in the, in, in the Superdome. I mean, what kind of dream is that? You know, you got Louisiana people watching their team win a championship at home. I can imagine that, that the emotions were just running all the way crazy, 
You know, I mean, that's that's a fan's dream right there to watch your team win a championship at the crib. That's got to be, and you and you're the coach of this, so I can imagine and just imagine his story, just imagine his journey. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just think that that was that was just a lot of emotion, a lot of celebration, and you know, uh, you know, bravo to him. You know, bravo to, to Ed Orgeron and to the LSU Tigers. They, 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 you can't dispute what they did, who they beat to get there. You know, the season that Joe Burrow had. I mean, there's nothing you can dispute. There's nothing you can question about it. Well, the, the thing about this, this is the funny thing about it. You're right, man. He just, as someone who's been honest with him all through the year, Joe Burrow with the hat, I didn't even see the hat, but I saw, now I see the hat online. I'm like, man, he just put his clown suit on. And I can appreciate Yeah, he just that. went straight ham. I go, what is everything he did through the I'm not he mad at him. He got a big fatty in his mouth. That's the thing that got me. I'm like, dang, he really don't care. Yeah, he, I'm 23 years old. I'm, I'm grown up in these streets. I'm right, mad I'm done. Okay, young man, everything he had to go through uh, to, 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 to be here. I'm, I'm going to go to you, uh, uh, Darnell, in, in this question in terms of the game. What did you see? What did LSU do to Clemson that 26 other teams or whatever couldn't do? How did they do it effective? Because even though people talk about the schedule, over that run, they played some good teams. Um, what were what was what was LSU able to do effectively? Because it was shaky in the beginning. So, so what did you see them do? No, I think I think it's the other way around. To be honest with you, what okay. did Clemson not? What did, um. Because LSU was such a dominant team that it, it wasn't LSU that had to deal with Clemson. It was the other way around. Clemson had to deal with what LSU was bringing to the table, and they just couldn't do it because um, at the beginning of the game, they had them. Um, Clemson was winning the field position game. That's how they were, had them bundled up in the beginning because uh, the special teams, they did a very good job of um, pinning them deep inside the five, inside the ten, and back-to-back possessions. And um, that was how they were able to keep them in check at the beginning. But um, once they were able to figure out that um, the double A gap blitz and the other kind of um, blitzes they were doing out of the, um, the off front, they were, um, they were able to pick them apart pretty easy. And um, Brent Venables, he had a he had a very Don Brown esque game in my opinion because um, he refused to make adjustments. He um, they had a single high safety pretty much the whole game. And they refused to um to give help to AJ Terrell when AJ Terrell was in trouble. And he um I feel bad because I think he um he might have lost a little bit of draft stock off that game. And um when you say um what did LSU do to Clemson that nobody else did to Clemson, um I look at the game before when um Ohio State played Clemson. Um and um their D B did a pretty similar job that and LSU did was Derek Stingley and Grant Delpit and uh, well Christian Fulton had a uh, pretty rocky start, but um, I think Ohio State was able to do some pretty similar things defensively um, that LSU did. It's just the offense and LSU um, the way they took off, they couldn't um, the way they're defending them with a single high safety. They couldn't they couldn't defend the slot fade, and that's the one thing that. Um, it was pretty apparent because they just kept going to it over and over and over again. It's a very difficult route to defend because 
usually when you're defending the fade, you want to decrease his face, you want to squeeze to the sideline. But when you start in the slot, it's hard to decrease the space because there's so much space to begin with. So um, you really have to just play outside leverage, which they really weren't. And you have to give give help for the safety behind it, which they didn't as well. So it was barbecue chicken and shack with this. Yeah, and, and I thought, I mean, when, and with just how you described it, and, and play a little outside leverage, when you have a linebacker like Isaiah Simmons, there's some ways in which you could probably get some help brackets on the inside or, you know, you can use just somebody who's flexible like that who can, who can play everything from linebacker to nickel to, to safety. When you see somebody's hot, you can, you can, you can force them, force the receiver towards him. Right. Um, and now a lot of teams have the ability of having somebody like Isaiah Simmons that you could do that allows for you to play uh, a little bit different. And I thought Venable would have done something like that. Um, but that didn't happen. Hank, what were your? I thought that's great analysis. Hank, what do you want to add to that? Well, let me, you know, let me let me tell you what I seen. Okay, that that I I I was kind of shocked after watching Clemson two games back to back. Is that Brett Venable's defense is very similar? Darnell brought up is very similar to Don Brown's. What he does different. But the thing is, Clemson's got better D linemen and linebackers than Michigan does. But I saw him do the same things. I saw some of the same things against Ohio State that Don Brown did, and I saw some of the same things in the championship games that Don Brown does, especially the way the, the game that Chase had. I mean, the, the fact that, that he that he was burning Terrell is that I know said several times without any help. I couldn't understand why you keep doing that. That was the one thing I saw. The second thing I saw was. Uh, first of all, Trevor Lawrence did not have a good game. Okay, yeah. and we haven't talked about that, but he started off pretty good, but he did not have a good game. Uh, um, a lot of that was LSU's uh, defense, but he missed some plays. He missed some plays out there. He, he seemed like he was rattled. He, he didn't look like he had the same poise he had last year, which was kind of surprising because they actually had the lead. Okay, and the defense actually, like you said, the, the field position, they could have did a lot more, but they didn't. Now, the, and, and so what I saw from, from the Clemson side was uh, they made some stops, but they did not, they were not able to capitalize. Clemson was not able to capitalize offensively when they needed to. And, 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 and you just couldn't keep on giving Joe Burrow chances to, to let their offense get the flowing with those wide receivers that he had. And then also the fact that uh, Hilaire was able to, to, to run the football a little bit. We haven't talked about that. I don't think that Clemson did a good job of using Travis Etienne. I think yep. that he could he, – I, th- I think that uh, there was a lot of times where he had space. They could have used him in the passing game a little bit more than those little – uh, uh, outlets to 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 draw the linebackers in to get the one on ones with the with um, the the wide receivers they didn't do that Higgins ain't been right since the Ohio State game okay and if you remember he got hurt in the Ohio State game he made a couple of nice catches but he really not, has not had that separation since the Ohio State game that's what I, I saw that as well but I really think that the way that game was going it could have been an amazing. Shootout, but Trevor, but but Trevor Lawrence didn't come ready with, for the for the fight, and Joe Burrow wasn't going to be denied, and so th- that's what I saw um, 
Uh, we could talk about the referees later, but but that's what I saw uh, from the from the players' perspective. I think that Etienne wasn't used enough to help take the pressure off of uh, 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 Trevor Lawrence, um, and, and 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 just simply the fact that. They didn't make the adjustments, as, as Daniel said, defensively with those one-on-one. They at, at some point you got to realize this ain't this kid's night, okay? It, it, it's not his night. And Chase is going to just, just turn him into, like you said, into barbecue, and that's what he did. Yeah, and I would I would say to add to that, I would say they didn't use Etienne and and Trevor Lawrence as much to to establish a running game until later in the game. Right. I think went away from the run concepts using both of them. Um, you know, because I think he could be an effective runner because he, 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 first of all, he's really he's athletic, more athletic than you think, but he only needs he needs to run enough to keep them ahead of the chains. I think the key to right. defense is, is getting ahead of the chains, and the running game could have opened it up a little bit more using both of them creatively. And I just thought they went away from that and got too pass happy, um, and then uh, it allowed for LSU to pin their ears back. Uh, whereas I thought LSU did a good mix, and what Burrow needed to scramble he scrambled they stayed with the run as much as they had to then they set those you know uh those fades up uh the way that uh darnell talked about um and they they, they kind of held to their game plan a little bit longer i think uh than clemson to what you know there's a lot of talk about the the referees and tipping the balance and the role of referees in this game hank you know what is your thoughts around the referees and you know what's happened in college sports, and, and in terms of their maybe their impact on this game as well. Listen, a game should not come down to first of all, a game should not come down to consistently coming down to a call with other referees. College football is going to have to do a better job of vetting their referees. It, it, it's, it's, it's becoming too much of a conversation. Okay, in these big games, a referee's call here, a referee's call there. Those are momentum changers in the, in the game. Okay, and and when you start talking about teams that are equally talented, you know, and, and the competition is that close, it only takes one bad call to really change the the the, the scales in that game. But what I really want to talk about is they're going. I think that 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 uh, the NCAA is going to have to look at this targeting thing. Okay, it is it is creating a uh a unfair um uh, it, it's creating an unfair advantage to a team. Okay, especially when the play is a clean play but the guy happens to go in by the helmet. There has to be either a flagrant one or a flagrant two. You go back to the Ohio State uh Clemson game, you go to the game on uh uh, the championship game, the linebacker that went out, that completely changed what Clemson can do on on defense. And I just don't feel like that's 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 that to me is wrong. Okay, you're giving a competitive advantage. Now, if the, he goes and punches somebody, something that's absolutely a foul, but you're talking about in-game play, all right, uh, in-game play when I'm going in, I'm just trying to make a hit. All right, you got. They've got to do something about uh, ejecting players like that. That was that to me came. It, 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 I'm sick of seeing it now because I understand player safety and everything like that. But when you start taking players off the field, you know, and and they're, and they're playing their hardest, and it's a championship game. I felt for that kid. He lost his mind. You know, he's trying to win a championship. Same with the with, with the player with Ohio State. You know. And you start, and you got rep. You got, um, 
You've got instant replay. What's going on? What's going on? It shouldn't come down to that. This should not be a, every time we look around, a referee's call has changed the momentum of the game. And it's always something like and, and And it's getting to the point where we've seen enough. I think we've seen enough as fans that let them play. But when you start taking players off the field, that to me is and, – and the player is not doing enough to take himself off the field. He's trying to make a football play. That, there's got to be something. They've got to look at that. They've got to look at that. Yeah, I mean, the Jackson linebacker, I think he went, he hit him in the, hit the guy in the shoulder. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the, 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 the injection is not, I don't know if you need to be in, uh, ejecting players versus just make the penalty severe. Exactly. Make the, make the penalty. You know, and, the penalty. and, you take the paper off the field. Yeah. Um, and it's not like the pros where you have some depth. Um, and, and you do you do it in the pros. So yeah, I think the the refereeing has to be. And a number of these officials, as you look at it, had other problems in other games where they had some issues in previous games. So you know, it's not like some of these officials haven't had uh, some problems, and they're here, you know, doing a national championship game. So that and that's you know, the Pac-12 officials, and they've been talking about them all season. Yeah, how 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 are you screening, folks? Um, because it's not uh, – this is game is too important to have cats who have any indiscretion as it relates to – you got so many officials coaching college football. You can find people who have not had any of this. And so that's something they're going to have to really work on because you don't want this to be a story of a game that I thought was really good. It lived up to the hype, um, and you want that to, 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 be, the, to be the story, not the, not the referees. Um, so, Darnell, I'll start with you. Who is more likely to return to the title game, LSU or Clemson? Uh, oh, Clemson. I thought Clemson. about that for a second, but, yeah, I got I to gotta return to Clemson because um, they, they're getting a lot of guys back again. And Justin Ross is he's a true sophomore, so he's going to be back. Travis Etienne, he just declared that he is coming back for his senior, his senior season. Trevor Lawrence can't leave, so he's coming back. So they're getting a lot of pieces back, and they play in the ACC, which doesn't have very much competition. So I, I expect them to be back. But LSU, and they're losing some pieces. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. Um, Justin Jefferson, he's leaving. Um, you're getting uh, Christian Foley leaving. Uh, Grand Delpit's leaving. Joe Brady is leaving. Dave Aranda's leaving. So you're going to have to reload. So if I expect LSU to be a very good football team next year, but uh, as far as returning to the college football playoff, my money has to be on Clemson. All right. And uh, Clemson opens up, I think they open up next year against Georgia. So right out the gate, they're going to Oh, that's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a test. I think they got a couple of tough openings next year right out the gate. So they're going to need all that talent they can get. uh, who 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 do you think uh, will return to the championship out, out of these two if they if both one of them returns, Hank? I listen. You you all you gotta do is look at the, the pedigree or just 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 look at the the method of operation of one Dabo Swinney. Okay, the year they lost to Alabama. Okay, he gathered his team together. All those guys that he had could have gone pro after that game, and they decided to stay and give it another swing. Okay, uh, that was the year. The next year they came back, which was last year, and they put a foot 
in Alabama's backside. Okay, Dabo Sweeney has this team poised to try to win championships every year. Yeah, they're playing in a very weak ACC, but there is something about a mindset of of, of the Clemson Tigers right now. You see a Travis Etienne going, uh, deciding to come back for his senior season. Now, this kid, you could argue that he's he that he could be a late two draft pick. Okay, uh, but you've got some amazing backs that's coming out. Uh, this year, so that's a smart move on his part. You got Trevor Lawrence, who I, for one, had picked to be a Heisman candidate before we thought Joe Burrow lost his mind at the beginning of the season. He's coming back for his junior year. You know he's got something to prove, okay? And then this team is always a top five recruiting class. So even with the, some of the talent that they're going to lose, they're going to they're going to be, you know, right there again. When you look at LSU, this is this has been an amazing season for them. Joe Burrow, uh, a, a quarterback they didn't anticipate. Their offense was out of his mind, but you're losing two coaches off of that team. I very much expect them to have championship hangover, especially the way they party. They've got to break in a new quarterback. They've got to break in an awful lot of new talent. And, and quite frankly, you're talking about uncharted waters for Ed Orgeron. Okay, he could run for the governor of Louisiana. Okay, and and won't nobody be upset with him if they go back to what they usually are, which is like a nine and three team. If you look at LSU over the last several years, they're, they're pretty much a nine and three football team that had an amazing year. You know that should bode well for a lot of teams, that a lot of programs out there that they might catch lightning in the bottle. Okay, and that might change things for them, you know, <clears throat> Michigan. But I'm just saying <laughs> that that as far as consistency is concerned, Dabo Sweeney has shown that consistency to get that team to the playoff and to get them to play championship uh, uh, football, even though they, they they don't look like they're that team. So I'm, I, if you're talking about those two, I, I look for Clemson still to be a top four team. I look for LSU to probably be a 10 to 15 team next year. Rank. All right. Uh, we we're going to be able. To, uh, we're obviously, we're going to have a lot about the draft. We're going to be a lot about these teams as we move towards, you know, draft. We move towards kind of the NFL combines and things like that. So we'll we'll, we'll be able to follow the stories of a lot of these players, and uh, we'll get a chance to see what Aranda is going to do as a head coach because he's been highly successful as a a coordinator. So we'll get a chance to see what he's about as a head coach at Baylor, who is quietly building one of the one of the top. You think about where Baylor was. As, an, as a campus, as a athletic enterprise, three or four years ago, with mm-hmm. school and everything else, and where they are right now with a team, they're gonna have a number one uh, uh, basketball team on the men's side, the top basketball team on the women's side. Their volleyball team was highly ranked. I think they had some, you know, football team. You know, now they're getting a rando over there. It's gonna be interesting to see what he can do. Um, uh, over there, and then obviously Brady's going over there to Carolina, working with Cam Newton in in, in the group, and so um, uh, he's got to replace. He got two big pairs of shoes to replace. Um, that's going to be interesting if he can do it. He's he definitely if he's committed to that style. He's going, LSU has never been hurting to get recruits and talent. That's never been a problem. So he's got them lined up. You know, it's going to be a question about in, in how they use the transfer portal. You know, these quarterbacks are still. It's going to be littered with some really good quarterbacks. And, can he capitalize? You got the you got the quarterback from Houston, who's going to be in a transfer right. portal for a drive yeah, to LSU. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. So you know we we uh, you know he could he could you know they saw what happened. With, these 
kids saw what happened with Burrow and what that done for that his stock, you know, he could be having a he could have a waiting a line waiting for him. He's got to get the right coordinator, or he's got a coordinator there. Whether or not his his coordinator there can take what he learned in co coordination with Brady to continue it, or if they got to add that other young analytic guy with them and that as part of their model. So we'll see, you know, what they do uh, uh, in the off season to, to get back. So we'll take care. Now we're moving to the NFL playoffs. It's conference championship weekend, and we've had some fundamental questions we've been kind of asking throughout the playoffs. And now we're at the conference championship. We're going to ask some of the same questions. We're going to start with um, the AFC. We have Kansas City versus Tennessee. Um, you know, this is everybody expected Kansas City to be there. No one probably had Tennessee being there. But these are two teams who are polar opposites in terms of how they approach the game, what they think is going to win. Uh, you got Henry, who has just been the most uh, the immovable object. <laughs> this is a cat that just don't nobody want to tackle. Uh, at, at all, uh, and then you got you got uh, uh, you got a great young quarterback uh, over there, Patrick Mahomes, who has just been dynamic and with a dynamic set of, of, of teammates and tools that he gets to use to score. And you got Andy Reid, who is under pressure to win the big game. He's got another home game for an AFC Championship game, and, and, and as he had when he was in Philly, can he finish the deal? Can he get to the Super Bowl? And if he gets there, can he win? Like this is Andy Reid's legacy is on uh, 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 here. And then you got this rising star, uh, uh, Vrabel, who is kind of like this Belichickian, not imposter, but he has his own kind of way he's approaching his game. He's highly smart. He's got thing. He he has success in terms of uh, in a Belichickian way. But he's been one of the few that I don't think um, copies Belichick. Uh, like some of the disciples have, he's got his own way, but he's getting to some of the same results. So we got a lot here. We got a lot of stuff. What are the storylines you're going to be looking at when you're looking at this game? Um, I'll start with you, Darnell. So, what it comes out to me in this game is can Tennessee limit the big play, the big explosive play? If they do, they have a very good chance of winning. I think they win the game, but if they don't, they have no chance. So um, I've seen this movie before. It reminds me a whole lot of going into uh, uh, going into LSU versus Georgia. Uh, Mike Vrabel being the uh, kind of Kirby smart guy that uh, was under the master of of, of uh, Nick Saban or um, Bill Belichick in this case, and they they play a pretty similar style. They um they have a very solid defense. And they have a very strong winning game, and a quarterback that can kind of game manage. So um, when I when I think about this game, I think it, it all settles down to can Tennessee limit the big play? And I've seen this movie before, and I've got to go on Kansas City because, like Deontay Wilder said, you have to be perfect for twelve rounds. And I have to be perfect. I just have to be perfect for three seconds. So I think um, just just out of all the um, just out of the sheer length of the game, uh, I can't bet against Tyree Taylor and them getting loose every now and again on a, on a, just a few plays. Do you have an unsung hero as part of that that you think on the Kansas City side that will, you know, we know who the stars are, but is there something? Someone that you think will be a difference maker there? 
Well, uh, if I, if I, I would have to go with um, the guys up front on defense, like Chris Jones, right? And Cuckoo, I was say they got to, yep. um, they got to, um, they got to come to play. They got to um, work on limiting um, the rushing lanes for Derrick Henry. You can because if Derrick Henry gets in the space. Usually with big backs, um, you're thinking of they're just gonna run between the tackles and stuff like that. But with with Derrick Henry, if he gets in the space, gets to the second level, it's it's a problem. So um, it's all it's to me, it's it's gonna be on the shoulders of the front of the defensive front to limit the space. Hey, I'm gonna ask you the same thing: the storylines, unsung heroes, and then uh, who you got. Okay, you know. Before I say that, I, I need to go back to last week, okay? And the reason why is because I feel like uh, um, uh, Lamar Jackson took a raw deal, okay? He's been getting a raw deal. Uh, a lot of people put that loss on on him when he was really the only one, in my opinion, that came to play for Baltimore last week. Okay, I saw players dropping the ball. I saw I saw bad routes. I saw him put a ball right on the, on his tight end's chest, and he's looking the wrong way. You can't play that way if you're trying to win a championship. So I had to get that off my chest because I heard a lot of you know a lot, a lot, a lot of people was, was calling him on sports shows and stuff and said that he ain't ready for prime time, and I think his team let him down. But going into this week. I'm with Donnell. I think that the unsung hero has got to be Kansas City's defensive front, okay? Because the one thing Tennessee is going to have to do is shorten this game, all right? Because I think what you saw last week, if you saw Kansas City play, is they started off kind of slow. They started off sluggish. But once they woke up, they woke all the way up, okay? They woke all the way up. And, that, and, and, and Texas just did not have an answer. And it was fun to watch. And it was like, just like that, okay, the game has started, let's roll, let's go. And now you're seeing this offense where, and, and, and everybody wants to go back to the time Tennessee played uh, Kansas City earlier in the season. Well, that was the first game back for Pat, Patrick Mahomes after he hurt his knee. Well, he's healthy now. Okay, his team is healthy. I think for the first time everybody is, is, is on the field and ready to go. And and this is what you got to look at. Uh, my unsung hero is that defensive front. How much uh, uh, is Tennessee going to be able to shorten this game? Because I don't think they're going to be able to stop Patrick. Because Patrick Mahomes is 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 not your 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 typical quarterback. He can throw that ball from all different types of slots. Okay, if they get the running game going on their end, it's going to be tough. I've taken Kansas City. I think that that they played. Uh, uh, New England very tough last year. They never got a chance to get the ball back uh, in, in the overtime, and that's what that's what cost them a chance to the Super Bowl. I think their defense is better last year, markedly different better that, uh, this year than they were last year. And um, I think that this is this is this is one Andy Reid has got to get. Okay, this is a team that he should beat. Um, um, taking nothing away from the season that ten, uh, Tennessee has had, or 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 the beast that Derrick Henry has become, but this is a game that that, that Kansas City needs to win. Yeah, I, I would say it's uh, uh, you know Kansas City's uh, front. I, I would say is 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 really uh, important when you start to think about the, the front four. 
but uh, you know, I want to go back to your point about um, uh, last weekend uh, and who, you know, who let you know Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson down. Uh, his teammates did let him down, and the cast who really let him down, to tell you the truth, is uh, was on defense, and the people on defense who let him down when you watch the game were the linebackers. Mm-hmm. Guys took. Uh, guys did not get upfield. When you play against a guy like Henry, you have to get him before he gets started. And you had guys overrunning the holes. Uh, when he's running away from you, you got to be on his back hip. And you got to take an angle. You can't get out in front of him uh, in that offense. You got to be able to be on his hip. And when he turns, you got to be right there to meet him. These guys are not getting up. And so I don't think it's not only the line, I think your linebackers have to get penetration. They got to be able to read and react. And, 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 and particularly the backside linebacker cannot overrun the play. The backside linebacker has got to get up in there and cut, take away his cutback lane. And you just don't see that. And that's part of the problem is you're going to get a big back to get him before you get started. The line of scrimmage can, cannot move towards you, that you can't get congested. You guys got to get penetration, and you got you to force him to react right away and get to him then. And I just didn't see that. I was, I was very disappointed in linebacker play, which is crazy with, uh, when you look at a team like Baltimore, because they normally do a pretty good job of that. But the unsung hero is going to be Steve Spagnola. You know, Reed had a chance to pick some defensive coordinator. Did he pick the right person? Did he pick right. somebody to play against, to play against, uh, uh, you know, uh, something like that. You got to be like Vrabel. Like that's the stuff that he teaches. When you watch his linebackers play, you watch his front play, that's how they play. And they get after you. And if if you can be anything, if, if, if Kansas City's defense can look anything like Tennessee's defense, then they're going to have a, a, a chance uh, here. But if those, if those linebackers don't feel correctly, because that line, that offensive line for Tennessee maul you. They'll maul you. That's, and your line, that's when you miss CJ. What you say? That's when, that's when, that's when you miss CJ, a guy like CJ Bosley here on Boston. Yep. Like, um, letting him go on free agency, um, and kind of came back to Bayern. Yep. Because he was a big part and, of that number one defense. Big part of it. So, it's either linebackers and also uh, Matthew. Matthew is going to be, because of what he feels and he plays kind of that, that joker-like position, he, he the role in the run game. And I don't see him as someone who makes those kind of business decisions that we kind of say, you know, uh, you know, I think he may even have played against him. So he's, he's a great tackler. And if he has his kind of tackling game and you add him into that linebacker scenario, that, that's what, if he's having a big game in the support of the run game, that's where you're going to see uh, some, some, some big things happen uh, for, for Kansas City. If they can stop him, Mahomes is going to be still on that sideline with a baseball cap on. Right. He's going, he going, he going to be over there getting cold. Warm. <laughs> he's going to be over there getting frustrated. And the one thing you want to do to force him into turnovers is feel like he got to make a play. And they're going to take as much time off the clock. And as long as that, those chains are moving, if they can't do that, they're going to squeeze it. Uh, but I, I, think, I think it's going to be closer than everybody thinks. But I think Mahomes is going to make one of those plays and save Andy Reid. Uh, and because this is not about Mahomes, this is about Andy Reid, and I've been right. critical. Of Andy Reed. I think Andy Reid's got a lot of victories, but I think Andy Reid gets credit in ways that coaches who got a Super Bowl win, or coaches who have 
had as much success, don't get credit for in ways, and it's time for him to put up as a coach. So I, it feels like we all kind of go with the, the Chiefs for different reasons. We're going to go over to the NFC. This is an interesting game in a lot of different ways. Uh, we got, we got uh, 49ers hosting Green Bay. Uh, we, got, we got Aaron Rodgers coming in there. You know, we got Matt LaFleur coming in. Uh, they seem to be kind of in stride a little bit. Um, they going into the bully. We call it, as as uh, Coach Harbaugh wanted to do when he was out there. They want to be the bullies on the block. They are literally the bullies on the block out there. Um, and uh, lots coming going. Hank, I'm going to start with you. You know, storylines, kind of unsung heroes, uh, and then who are you going to who are you picking and why? The storyline is this. Okay, um, uh, is San, is San Francisco back? Are the Niners back? You know, they they've had a phenomenal season. Okay, and they kind of look like the Niners were old. They got that. They got that tough defense. They got that offense that that they, they can run the football. They can throw the football. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looking like he's he's the truth. Is he are they back? That's the storyline. Your unsung hero is Jimmy G. That's what he was brought there for. Well, that's what he was brought there for. Let's go back again to last week. You can argue if you want to that a referee's call might have changed the whole dynamic of that Green Bay-Seattle game, okay? Was that a first down so that Green Bay could uh, run out the clock? I will argue that uh, San Francisco's defense, um, offense is much better than Seattle's, and I think, again, that um, um, Russell Wilson had a phenomenal year. I hope he's not overlooked, okay? He carried that team a long way on his own, okay? I just believe that San Francisco in at the Bay, okay, against against the, the against Green Bay. I don't think this game is going to be close. I really don't. I think that uh, that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to have fits, okay. I think Richard Sherman's got something to prove, okay. I think Bosa's got something to prove. I know Jimmy G does, okay. And and and, and it's it's hard for me um, to pick Green Bay in this game. Uh, they uh, Seattle gave them all kinds of fits, all and they they could not shake them at home. So I, I I've got to I've got to look at this game, and I've got to say I, and I look at San Francisco. And I think they're going to be ready, and I think they're going to put it on them. You know, and, and and when you go back again, they they made um, uh, Minnesota look pedestrian last week. And th- this team, people need to pay attention to this team. This is a very good Forty uh, Nine er team. All right, it, 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 um, it, you, I think you hit a, a lot of good points here, uh, Darnell. You're going to be watching this. What, what, what do you put the same questions around storylines, kind of unsung heroes, and, and who who you got and why? I think the storyline is at the line of scrimmage, man. Like it always is. Um, and the unsung hero is the um, is is David Bakhtiari, and it's going to be Brian Bulaga. Because if they can, they have a tough task, tough task on their hands um, going against Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and D Ford and the crew. And if they can, um, if they can give Aaron Rodgers time, then I think Aaron Rodgers he he's going to show up for this big game. But if if Aaron Rodgers if he's under duress and if he has to run around and scramble around and stuff, it's not going to be a good fight. And I think it can get out of hand if um, they can't protect Aaron Rodgers. So um, 
the, I think those are going to be the, um, both the storyline and the unsung heroes that don't get talked about. Yeah, I think y'all raised a good point. And, I, and, and my thing as well is uh, my un, the unsung heroes, I'm going to say on this side, on the, they're going to come on the Green Bay side, is that defensive line. They can control that line of scrimmage and that run game. The fact of the matter is they can't let they can't do uh uh what Minnesota allowed them to do is to to let uh uh Jimmy as as, as Stephen A would say, uh Jimmy porn star, what do you call him? <laughs> porn star Jimmy. Uh, uh porn star Jimmy, let him only or let him only throw seven passes. Like you just can't at a certain point they decided we don't trust them and they ran the ball like how many consecutive times? You ain't got you ain't got Travis. You, you, you ain't got Henry on the other side. <laughs> you can't let them do. If, if 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 to be an elite quarterback, there's not should be a game where they got they got to just go away from you, and you only throw seven passes. And so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, hmm, I'm gonna take cake. I gotta take away uh, Kittle. And I got to get on this run game, and we'll see where we go from there. And I think if that front seven can can go to work on that run game and have them playing behind the chains, uh, he's a good he can, he's a good quarterback. But make him if he beats you, then pat everybody on the back and go home. He throw for three hundred yards, four touchdowns, and you lose. Hey, you can live with that. But he can't have a game when he's throwing for one hundred fifty, two hundred yards. You know, one touchdown, he ran one in, and they beat you, you know, by 14 points. Like, you can't, you can't let that happen. So that defensive line has got to control first down. First, second down is everything right now. And if, if you can do that and put him in uncomfortable positions where you can start to tee off, then I think that's, that, that's going to be uh, the key. Um, and I'm, I'm – in these games, I'm going to take – I always take the better quarterback. I think it's going to be upset. It, 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 there's no mathematical reason why Green Bay should win. That's why I'm picking them to win. You know, it, it, it's, this is this is Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers gets to the Super Bowl with this team and wins, he will have cemented his legacy and been part of that conversation about great quarterbacks. He'll be in that two Super Bowl space. And it'll take... And and I think Aaron Jones has an opportunity to be that breakout back. We talked about in the preseason, a number of us have talked about what we thought he could be. And uh, this is a game where it shows up, where he's against this great defense, but he finds a way uh, to make things happen. He don't have to be great, but if Aaron Jones can rush for about 100 yards and he can get one or two touches uh, with that, you know, that keeps them balanced. So, so I, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm looking at an upset. I'm looking at an upset. Great game. Uh, coming down the stretch. And then Rodgers just makes something happen. All right, y'all. All right, we're going to keep momentum on that. We're going to go right to the boxing moment with Darnell. You know, we always like to check in with the youngster. He's one of the rising stars in the game, I say, on his boxing side. Overall, he's been doing, like I told you, his overall Kawhi game is coming together. But the one thing, boxing for him is like Kawhi's mid-range, his butter. It's butter. And so that's what we're going to get a good taste of. We got a little bit of something coming up. And, you know, when we do this, you know, because we, we want to, you know, Hank and I like to show the young in love when he's earned it. 
you know, when he's earned it, we like to give him a little bit of something. So we got a little intro for his for his segment. You know, that's how we do it over here in these streets.
he he lost at the top pretty much when he was at the top, and he's working his way back up. And I think um, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he's his fight is going to be kind of like Jared Hurd instead of like instead of um, Ray Leonard. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I, I think I'm glad you did that. You know, because we always, you know, you know, where, how do fighters make decisions? And you know, there's something you and I didn't really talk about, so I think this would be a great thing. I, I saw a tweet from uh, Andre Ward. He said, you know, you know, he's been. I think he was um, identified as a boxer of the decade, or I believe that was. He said, I never desired to be the most popular fighter. I never cared for the spotlight. There were things I just refused to do in order to chase that carrot. I only wanted to be the best, glorify God, my family, and leave the right way. Mission accomplished. And then you had you had Crawford saying, they don't hear you, though, right? It, it, this gets back <laughs> to this thing. You've got your back to the wall. You know, how do you make those next decisions, and do you make them with integrity about who you are as a boxer? Do you, do you, you know, I, I, I see – you know, uh, Sean Porter somewhat in that same guy, like, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight kind of person. Um, you know, I think, are, are you seeing that with her being like, you know, this is a fight her should have taken, not, not a different path, right? This is my belt. I'm going to come back and get it. Um, I'm not worried about all the other stuff. Um, you know, he, he, he beat me on a good night. I'm come back and get my belt, not taking a different path, right? And kind of this integrity of what it means to be in the fight game, Versus the money. Like, how are you, I mean, when you hear people like Andre Ward, who is, you know, Hall of Famer type boxer, you know, legendary, you know, what does that mean to you as someone who really paid attention to the game? Well, as far as um, Jared Hurd is concerned, I, I think he made the right decision because um, mm-hmm. he he has some work to do. Like, this was not a necessarily close fight with him and J-Rock. He got mm-hmm. whooped. He got, he um, got whooped. He got what pillar to post. Um, J Rock proved that he was a more skillful fighter, and um, Jared Hurd is usually he's a guy that he he likes to wear you down and break you down towards the end of the fight, and uh, he never really got to that. He never got the momentum going until uh, get that going, and so he really has to um, he really has to work on some things, especially his defense. There was a lot of openings in that fight. So I think he made a smart decision. And just just work just spend some time at the gym, take a couple warm up fights and really um work on the game. And at the end of the year, maybe beginning of next year, he can um challenge again. He can challenge the top guys again like um like a J Rock, like a Jamel Charlo, those guys. But I think if he if he came back to fight J Rock again, it'll be more of the same. You listen to one mic, and uh, we, we are here in a boxing moment uh, with uh, Darnell, um, just going over uh, the uh, uh, fight. We got J Rock against Rosario uh, uh, fighting uh, at Temple University um, uh, uh, tonight. Uh, a big fight, um, you know, uh, for J Rock in terms of his ability to continue to build a, build a momentum after his victory over over her. Um, you know, we're, we're entering a new decade, um, and, you know, a lot of times we, from our boy, uh, 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 you know, Dougie, uh, Dougie Fisher, you know, we don't sometimes get into the pound for pound. We try to use, we use the Mount Rushmore uh, kind of a framework uh, for us. Um, as you look at the past decade, 
you, who, which fighters would you put on your on your your Mount Rushmore over the past decade? That's a tough one because um, usually when we get in these discussions or we're over like the last ten years, something like that, we end up having a recency bias. We, we yeah. remember the last few years and we forget the um, first couple years of the decade. You got to remember who was on top at the beginning in 2010, 2011. But, um, uh, so Mount Rushmore is four people, right? So yeah. If you need five, four. I'm going to give you five, though. You know, we make our own Mount Rushmore. Okay. <laughs> so I'll go with Floyd Mayweather number one. His resume is pretty much self-explanatory. We go over fighter of the decade. Um, two of his contestants that people will talk about are Manny Pacquiao and Canelo Alvarez. He only beat both of those guys in this decade. So him being at number one is a no-brainer, in my opinion. So um, you have Floyd. You have Vladimir Klitschko, which he had a, a huge reign in this decade. He had 18 straight title defenses. So he has to be in this conversation, even though he hasn't fought in a little while. He has to have Klitschko on there. I will put um, Andre Ward, Canelo, and Manny Pacquiao. I think that's a solid five. That's solid five. That's solid five. We're gonna we're gonna need you. We're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get that posted uh, uh, on uh, on Real Sports Guys on the uh, dot com and on the uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, I think that's a solid five. So. Make sure you send a text to that one to me so we can get those up. Uh, I think that's that's it. Uh-huh. Hey, catch more of Darnell um, as we begin to rev up um, the uh, boxing moment with Darnell uh, on uh, Real Sports Guys platform. It's great content for you folks who who like uh, the, the science, the pure science. And Darnell, we love the work you've been doing, and I know you've been engaged in the boxing community. Um, we're going to build on that momentum and try to find ways. Uh, to really get you out there more. But, hey, when y'all listen, this is a guy, young man that understands this game. And uh, like I said, he's, he's he knows a lot about a whole bunch of other sports. He's been he's contributing. But, you know, like Kawhi, Kawhi's bread and butter was that mid-range game, and this is his mid-range game, this boxing. So we love that. So uh, our next one, we're going to move into the cypher uh, because, Houston, we've got a problem. So when we come back, we're going to enter the cypher because, you know what, we got a problem. DJ Slick. Right about now, you're about to be possessed of the sounds of MC Raw Face and DJ Now, I'm 
got a real funky concept. My name is Papa got a real funky concept. My name is Papa got a My name is Papa got a My name is Papa got a real funky concept. My name is Papa got a real funky concept. My name is Papa got a real funky concept. This is Doug Fisher, editor of ringtv.com, and I'm on the Real Sports Guys podcast. All right, welcome back to One Mike. Uh, we're here. We're about to enter the cipher. And yes, Houston, we've got a problem. The world, the sports world, was uh, just turned upside down with the scandal beginning with uh, Houston um, uh, uh, sign stealing scandal, and it's kind of mushroomed into a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, as you probably know. We all want to talk about this, but nobody wants to talk about this more than all y'all know. Our host of uh, Inside the Park, Hank Davis. Uh, nobody wants to talk about it more than him. And so, uh, before I even get the question, I think I just got to start with Hank. What the hell is going on out there, Hank? I don't know, but if you remember, I said a few months ago. Okay, I think I, I, I think I did drop the mic on this. I said if this thing blows up to what we really think this could be that this could shake baseball to its core. I don't know if you remember that, but you go back. And I said that this thing has got a chance to grow some legs, and this could be a fire worse than what they're experiencing out in Australia. I'm serious. This thing is this. What, what the Astros have done, what the Astros have done is, is there, there is no other scandal in baseball's history. Now, I want you guys to hear me. There's no other scandal in baseball's history that could that could potentially rival what the Houston Astros have done. Okay, you go back to the Sheila's Joe Jackson days back in the eighteen hundred, the Black Sox scandal, in which they lost the World Series, okay, because of a betting thing. But here's a team that uh from the top down, you're talking about the general manager who got fired, AJ Hitch the manager who got fired. Okay, that uh, has systematically put something in place to steal signs from other teams. Okay, let me put this into perspective for you, okay? Because on the surface, guys, you might think that, well, that's no big deal. This, this has been fundamental with baseball all the time. Well, you know, it's always been in non, not exact science. Because what, what baseball players do is, for example, you got a player on second base trying to steal signs from the catcher. Well, the catcher knows that. So they might have a set of dummy signs, and then they might give you a set of real signs so that you don't know which one is coming. They have systematically figured out a way to know that exactly is coming, that the, that the hitter knows is coming. So, uh, Darnell, I know for a fact you've been to a batting cage, right? Yeah. Okay, and and, and and Devon, you've been to a batting cage, right? Yep. And you guys do pretty good at the batting cage, correct? All That's right. because I'm you know what's coming, okay? Right. If you go and swing at a baseball uh, a batting cage, you know you're getting that same 60-mile-per-hour baseball. If you swing at a softball, you know you you're pretty much, you know what's coming. You can move your feet around so you can hit the ball to the right field, you can hit the ball to the left field, whatever. <laughs> Yep. Okay, you know this. I say this for a reason, guys, because when you got professional hitters, and they're doing, and 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 just to give the, the listeners a little bit of perspective, if I don't know what's coming, that means I got to watch how the pitcher uh, approaches home plate. Where's his arm look like? Where's the where's the uh, 
the rotation of the ball. How are the seams coming out? The seams coming out, tumbling over each other. Are they coming out sideways? These are all a professional hitter has got to do to figure out what pitch is coming. And then he needs to know, is it inside or is it outside? Now imagine, if you will, stealing sides to the point where it's almost about batting cage uh, pitch every freaking time to a professional hitter. This is what the Houston Astros have done to the point where they have parlayed this into a championship. Into a championship. You have guys now who have had um, record-breaking seasons. Jose Altuve become the league MVP simply because they know what pitches are coming. This is a huge, huge scandal. Okay, baseball doesn't know how to do this. What, what makes me mad about baseball guys is the fact that they, they I have a feeling that they had a, a sense of something was going on, but they wait too late. And then when they try to fix it, it's never going to be enough. This is what the Houston Astros have done. They have taken the competitive advantage of cheating to a whole new level, to where they have used the same science that they used to build their team to actually have a competitive advantage while cheating to the point where, where to date, uh, managers and general managers and even uh, managers of other teams that belong to the Astros organization during the time have lost their jobs. But I don't think they've gone far enough. I'll let you guys chime in. All right. We warmed up now. All right. Uh, Darnell, you know, what, what have been your thoughts? Man, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, I've never really seen anything like this. Um, this is like Bill Belichick and Scott Spygate to a whole new level. Like like I said, when you know what pitches are coming, you have such a um, distinct advantage over your opponent. Um, I heard, I saw one, one pitcher on Twitter. I think his name was Alex Wood or something like that. He said, "I'd rather I'd rather go against a player that is on steroids than um, go against a player that knows what pitch I'm throwing." That's right. And um, I, I, yeah, I'd have to agree with him. He's um, this is a very big deal. I, I was watching first take the other day, and they were saying um, that they were saying that um, um, with like um, who like who um can can you can you actually um penalize players in this um in this ordeal or is this like just an organizational thing? Oh, um, absolutely. That's something I would like to know. I, I think I think you, you do it in some you other sports. So 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 the, the, has Manfred gone enough? Has the MLB done enough? I mean, there's there's been conversations no. about. They should vacate championships. They do that in college sports. No, they have not gone far enough. This is what makes this is the hypocrisy of baseball that drives me crazy. Okay, this is what drives me absolutely nuts. This team has won a championship. There are there are reports right now that that are, that are alleging that Houston Astros players actually had electronic devices underneath their jerseys. They can't substantiate it right now. Underneath their jerseys <laughs> to be able to signal them with some sort of electronic buzz as to what pitch uh, is going on. Uh, they, they're using that as an example. Last year's uh, series against the, the Yankees, in which uh, Jose Altuve hits the uh, game-winning home run, in which he knew Aldous Chapman, fireballing Aldous Chapman, was going to throw back-to-back 
change-ups, in which he threw another change-up, and he hits it up into the seats. And and uh, they beat the Yankees in seven games. They're saying that they're still doing this. My problem is, it's the players that's out there that, that know what's going on. The players that are out there, they're not, they're not whistleblowing. They're taking advantage of it. Skinner, Bregman, um, Altuve. If you talk to, to, the, to the L.A. Dodgers, the team where Astros beat, they feel that they had a championship taken away from them. I feel the same way. See, baseball has punished guys that, 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 that they felt like they had a physical um, uh, uh, advantage because of steroids or that they altered games because they felt like they bet on them. But at no time in baseball's history has a team, has an organization, has players all brought into doing something to the point where they not only know your, your, your playbook, but they know when you're going to run the plays. They, see, we talk about Bill Belichick, and we talk about Spygate, we talk about the Flategate, okay? But they know when you're going to run the plays, they know what pitches you're going to throw, and when you're going to throw them, and is it going to be inside, is it going to be outside? Oh, my God. And then you parlay that into a championship, okay? You parlay that into a championship, and it's still going. And all you're going to do is fire a few people in the front office, a few management people? No. The players, I feel like, absolutely has to be um, held accountable for this. I feel like baseball should vacate uh, Houston's uh, World Series championship, all right, because they're still doing it. There's, 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 there's evidence that they are still doing this. And it really changes a lot of things. And I was afraid of this. That, that if they found out that this team won a championship based upon all of this evidence, that what were they going to do? Was it going to be a slap on the wrist, or were they really going to have to make some, some real changes? Because nothing has ever parlayed a team into a championship this level of cheating in baseball before, and they need to make an example of it, just like they do with these players uh, that they, they, they claim to take a performance enhancement drugs. I think all of that falls into play right there. So if you're on the team, right? Huh? Go ahead. So, Go ahead. What you say? Yeah, so uh, I have a question. So, like, if you're on the team, I understand if you're in the league, uh, you would want to um, pass down punishment on the players that were a part of it. But if you're on the team, how would you go about saying, okay, we're cheating? Like, this is going on with our team. And you're winning championships. Uh, uh, I just don't. See, like, um, how you would do that if you're a member of the city. They know, here's the thing. When you look at the story, they know they were doing uh, banging trash cans. They were doing all these different things to signal hitters. Okay? My feeling is if all that is going on and hitters are in the batter's box and they are paying attention to this, and all of a sudden you've got you've got a Springer, you've got a Bregman, you've got an Altuve, and 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 they and, and and they're up on this. You have to punish those players. Number one, you have to punish the entire the entire organization because you had cheating there. It's no different than NCAA when you've got cheating. No, not everybody cheated on the team, but you had players cheat. Enough that it either won them a championship, or it brought a a, a um, an unfair advantage to the point where just like what happened with Louisville, just like what happened with Michigan, you vacate those championships. 
in basketball. You vacate those championships. You had enough players that knew what was going on that they were able to perform because of that. And, and, and it, it happened enough that look at what Houston did. Go back to their championship season. That team was ridiculous. They started the season that way. I remember doing the inside of the parks. I mean, Houston looked like they was going to win 115, 20 ball games that year. It was ridiculous. They, 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 they set a record for home runs that year. Okay, that means everybody launched that, but everybody knows what's coming up. That's just like, again, it goes back to my batting cage analogy. If everybody, you know, Jose Altuve is four foot two. What's he doing hitting 45, 50 home runs a season? Come on. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. You have you have to be able to, and and I'm not taking nothing away from him, but the thing is, is that when you got that kind of edge, there's something wrong there. And 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 baseball, if, if they really want to make sure that nobody else does this again. They have to vacate that World Series championship from Houston. They have to. And and you know, uh, Stephen A. had a call on this one, which I you know I, I'm giving credit to whoever said it. Uh, you know, this also has means. I mean, the way they're handling it, they need to revisit Pete Rose. Like like nothing he did in the game was he never did, they called him Charlie Huff. And the the thing that you haven't banned for the game, betting. By all accounts, he bet on his team winning, which fits with Charlie Hustle. When you look at what he did compared to this, I'm thinking it's about time for y'all to revisit Pete Rowe for all fame. Y'all need to just drive him up there. He need to get his stuff right now. It, listen, I, do you agree with that? I mean, I think listen, I when, you, when you look at how they punish, I want to hear you talking about Barry Bonds. The punt, huh? I don't want to hear them talking about Barry Bonds. No, listen. What they do when you think about Pete Rose. Okay, in the in the same, the, his punishment was egregious. Okay, it was over. It was overstep. Okay, it was, it was personal. It was overstep because, like you said, he bet on baseball. You could have easily just banned him from managing any team, allow him to coach, allow him to do anything else in baseball, if for no other reason for his years as a player, not as a manager. Well, for them to ban him for baseball, make him and, and to vilify him as this just quintessential cheater, I, I have a problem with that. When you look at a whole organization that puts in the work to cheat all the way to the World Series. Now, keep in mind, 162 ball games, the playoffs, all right, and and, and you cheat all the way to the World Series. Right, now I'm not look at all you have to do to look at this thing is look at the Houston Astros prior to the championship season. They were a decent ball team, but they did some ridiculous stuff. They were, I mean, the the, the series that they had with the Dodgers and the Dodgers was everybody's pick to win the World Series that year. Houston was sick with the home runs. Absolutely sick. They had to tone it down a little bit this year, but they cheated enough to get back to the World Series. Listen, when you look at Pete Rose, you're absolutely right. They should they should go get a limo and send him to Q Cooperstown right now. Baseball got the audacity. Did I say that mitigated goal? I seen a report coming out right now that when a player dies and that player was suspended or something from the league, that that he's automatically absolved upon his death. 
Okay, that's some foolishness right there based upon what's going on right now. They're looking back and seeing that there's some things that they've done in the past trying to, you know, have their nose up in the air as far as integrity is concerned and realize that this Houston thing is going to blow up in their face. They haven't done enough. You've got fan surveys right now that say they want Astro players punished. You know, baseball fan is pissed about this, okay? The general yeah, fan, the, the, because... The percentage. The percentage, like... 58% uh, of, 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 of fans certainly said that Astro players should be punished for this. And then yeah. they, 72% support Major League Baseball taking additional steps to punish players involved. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You know, and, and, and 53% support the, uh, the Astros being stripped, okay? <laughs> and including the Red Sox because Alex Cora, who was also yeah. uh, a member of that Astros team, became... Uh, the the manager of the Boston Red Sox who won the World Series the next year. He was a ringleader. <laughs> yes. This is how impact it does. When you take someone like, and I just sometimes get sick to watch the way his stuff drops out in a big game, but you take someone like Clay Kershaw, who a World Series puts him in a whole nother conversation historically. And that game five in, 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 in 2017 it's become, it was just a heartbreaker for him. You know, you affect people's legacy. Like, he he wins game five. That becomes an entirely different legacy. Exactly. And he got shelled in game five. You remember that? The, huh? He got shelled in game five. And he got shelled. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw. Think about that. This is this thing is this thing is going to be a dark, deep dark cloud over the entire twenty twenty season in baseball. Uh, Rob Manfred is going to spend all of the year talking about what are they going to do. Uh, the pressure is going to be heavy. I do not be surprised if if public outcry for the the, the Astros to be stripped of that championship. Doesn't come out. Players being suspended for the whole year. This, 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 this is a big, big deal. This is was my concern when I heard this, is that when they, when they, when they came out with the revelation that that this parlayed the Astros into a World World Series championship, that changed the whole that changed the whole dynamic of this thing, and 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 more and more of this is coming out, and this is something that. Uh, this is this is one of those scandals that we haven't paid a whole lot of attention to. There's a lot going on with football, hoop, and everything else. But when baseball gets its time on stage, you, this 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 is going to be better than power. I'm telling you. Who shot ghosts? I'm on that one. Yeah, I hey, mean, who shot ghosts? I'm here to tell you. Henry Jansen. Yeah, all three of them, man. Yeah, you Jarvis got yeah, yeah he could survive two innings. They said at game three and seven, like right. When baseball get this time on stage, this this you know people gonna make sure they got stars <laughs> on demand. <laughs> we go, we'll get we'll get it revved up inside the park. will get revved up. You know, we go, we go, we go add, we go add. We'll have Carl, Carl's voice in here, but we go add him to the mix between 
between Hank and Carl, this could be uh, y'all could y'all might drive your own campaign against baseball. That forever, <laughs> y- y'all too. I can't wait to hear y'all un- un- just go right after this because when we get Southside Carl's voice up in here, he and Hank gonna just dissect this one. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. This is made for TV, made for radio. We might just have to do this one. Uh, we have to do video uh, podcasts for this one, so I can just see the. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> well, hey, we know that Houston has a problem and baseball has a problem. That probably was the the the, the proper uh, uh, title of this segment. But hey, we are uh, going to keep our eyes on it. You know, it's a topic for one mic moving forward. Obviously, it's going to be uh, part of Inside the Park moving forward. Um, you can go to realsportsguys.com. I think I'm going to try and get Hank to do something. Uh, maybe we have to have you do a blog on realsportsguys.com. Hank, we got to yes, put sir. this down. piece we can put it up there because i think there's a lot you have to say and we need to push that out there and these are things that when we're talking about equity and justice this 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 right here all right we're gonna go to dropping the mic you know that's how we do we got to go to the we gotta go to the elder let him drop the mic go on hank all right thanks a lot guys listen uh this is this is a a special time of the year you know it's 2020 last time i talked to you guys about you know hindsight is 2020 uh uh, quiet as it's kept, we're coming into a long weekend, and for you know all the right reasons, this this would be you know this past 15th of January would have been the 91st birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King, um, and we celebrate with the three-day weekend, the the the, the great activist, the civil rights activist, uh, the, the the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, we've talked, at, at, you know. Uh, many times on this show about, you know, his legacy in history, you know, in black history. But also, uh, I want to also talk about another great activist and uh, another one that we don't talk too much about. But this past January 17th was would have also been the 78th birthday of the of the greatest of all times, Cassius Clay, also known as Muhammad Ali. And, you know, this is a great time of the year, two great Capricorns, if you will, that, uh, you know, really transcended the history, uh, African-American history, history of, 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 of humans in, in general, okay? Uh, peaceful men in their own right. Even though the, the great pugilist that was Muhammad Ali, 58 wins in his career, uh, you know, multiple-time world champion, you know, some of the I am the greatest that we know as, as one of his greatest uh you know, uh, sayings, but just that, you know, a lot of the youngsters, I, I really admire, you know, Darnell for, you know, keeping up the mantle of boxing because, you know, to, to, to watch what Muhammad Ali meant, you know, you only had so many boxers out there that could really transcend a whole generation. One being Joe Lewis, another one being the great Muhammad Ali. You know, and as we get to go into this weekend, and remember Dr. Martin Luther King, who you know, if you go to his to his uh, uh, memorial in, in Washington D.C., which says uh, darkness cannot uh, get rid of darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot get out get rid of hate, only love can do that. You know that that was the, that that's what his uh, that's what his legacy is. You know, as well as with the great "I Have a Dream" speech, Muhammad Ali once said that a man. 
if a man is the same at 55 as he was at 35, he has wasted 20 years of his life. Talking about the, the, the continued growth and the continued development of all of us as people. So at this time, I would like to take, uh, you know, the real sports guys and one mic and wish a very happy 78th, you know, uh, posthumously to the great Muhammad Ali uh, and a very happy 91st birthday to the great Martin Luther King Jr. This is one mic for this evening. Peace and love to you all. This thing right here Yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one might be. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.